Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Alex Sinatra. Hello. <laughs> Alex is the founder and CEO of your potential for everything, a strategic sports consulting business that helps women and women-owned businesses, as well as minorities, in the sports and esports industry. In addition to becoming an entrepreneur, she is also an attorney and a journalist and has served as an in-house counsel for famous sports families, startups, a multinational company, and recently a professional sports team. She's also the author and podcast host of Your Potential for Everything, book and show. Today, Alex and I are going to be chatting about ways that student athletes can better market themselves and what they need to be aware of with name, image, and likeness rights. We'll learn what works from Alex's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some people are going to just miss the mark. Alex, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. And um, you are just such a delight. I love your voice. It's so great for podcasting. <laughs> Well, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Well, what I'd love to do is start our listeners off on knowing how you got on your journey to here today. Not just talking to me, obviously, but in your career. How, you know, how did you start off? And you have had such a varied history where you have leveraged one thing into a passion, to another passion, and managed to make it all come back together again. Yes. So I always tell people that I'm a Renaissance person or a multi-potentialite, an expert generalist, whatever you want to call it. I have a lot of different passions and I pursue them all. And I do leverage one passion into another. And I learn so much about law and marketing and business and entrepreneurship and journalism because I am willing to fail and then quickly realign myself to learn something new. So for me, I knew that I wanted to stay in sport. I knew that I was interested in entrepreneurship because ever since I was little, I was trying to sell things in my tiny little town in Missouri. And I was selling things on a road that got, you know, one car an hour, but I was hardcore trying to sell those things and market myself. And then I decided, you know, I want to be able to help athletes so I can be a sports attorney. Maybe I could be an agent. I know that you had Brittany on the show recently and she did become an agent. I decided after interning with agents that I just didn't want to do that. It wasn't part of my journey, but I still wanted to be a sports attorney. I wanted to be a marketer. I'm a journalist for USA Today. So for me, every opportunity that presents itself that I do believe is going to make me a better advocate for my clients, whether those are legal clients or business consulting clients, I seize that opportunity. And it really just adds another layer to myself and my capabilities so that I have a very wide net that I can cast to help people. So that's a little bit about me. And I love being a multi-potential. It's so much fun to be able to do a bunch of different things in my life. See, I knew the reason I liked you is you're a fellow entrepreneur. I'm the little girl that had the lemonade stand on the corner that I was always throwing the sign up saying, come on, buy my lemonade. Yes. <laughs> and it can be a lonely world out there. Yes, it can. Definitely. So you got your start in sports and playing sports. What was that background? What were you doing as an athlete? Yes. Yeah, so I was a gymnast for a large majority of my life uh, at a very young age, though I got a pretty big injury and in gymnastics, you start very young. And so I was around 
11 or 12 when I broke my back, fractured my spine the first time. And so that kind of derailed any big dreams of going to the Olympics or being on the US national team. But I still did a ton of other sports when I was in high school. So I did track and field and I did long distance running and volleyball and basketball. And I was extremely athletic and a really hard worker. And so for me, everybody in my family was in sport in some form or fashion, whether that was professional athletics or division one athletics, D2, whatever it may be. And I always had professional athletes coming in and out of my house when I was young because we housed international basketball players in my house. So I was just very much in that culture. And my mentality is very athlete focused. I just have this way of being able to deal and speak with athletes in their language because I was one and I've always been around them. And it's a completely different language than other human beings. They're humans, but the way that they speak and interact with each other is very different. And I fit really well into that because I have very thick skin, but I can also dish as well as I can take. So when Simone Biles was just going through the twisties as a former gymnast who actually had a massive injury, you could a little bit more so relate to what was her fear going on psychologically. Yes. I actually fractured my spine on vault because I lost myself in the air. So they call it the twisties. Now we didn't really call it that. We didn't have that name back then. It's kind of a cute name for something that's very terrifying. Uh, but basically you lose your spatial awareness and in gymnastics, if you lose your spatial awareness in the air, it can mean that you could be dead <laughs> when you land, you could break your spine or something like what I did. I lost where I was in the air and I didn't know where I was and I landed on all fours and I fractured my spine. My legs started to go numb, but I was too worried about telling my coach because I was worried she was going to be really pissed at me. And so I was in the backseat of the SUV, like sobbing to myself. And my teammate asked me what was going on. And I told her, but I said she couldn't tell coach. And then she told coach, which good teammate, you know, I mean, she knew that something was seriously wrong, uh, but I still worked out on my back for two weeks before I went to the doctor with a fractured spine. So 100% Simone did the right thing. She knows her body better, better than any pundit could know her own body, but people always try to, for some reason, legislate to women's bodies. And that's what they were trying to do. And she said, nope, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I don't want to die because I lose myself in the air. So, Well, that has given you a really strong foundation for your advocacy and your support of the athletes that you're working with. You know the sheer terror of what it means if you potentially make a mishap and are on the court, on the field, um, wherever it might be, on the vault. Um, but you're able to transcend that into also helping them make sure they're not making mistakes off of those platforms and with their brand in the real life. Yes, they're definitely more than just athletes. And now it's really nice that all forms of athletes, starting from freshman year of college and up, can start to build businesses and monetize themselves. And some of these athletes aren't going to be pro. And so their biggest time to market themselves is their three or four years when they're in college. And the fact that they can do that now with certain exceptions is phenomenal. And yeah, so for me, I have a very high empathy for athletes and I love being able to help them recognize and they're more than just their sport because mm -hmm. they're not told that enough. And the Olympics and Naomi Osaka and everything that these female athletes are speaking out about now 
It's nothing new. It's always been there. They've always been told that they're nothing more than the results that they have on the court or the pitch. So now it's really fantastic that other people are starting to validate that viewpoint for them. And I love being able to help them recognize that as well and build something that has a lasting legacy outside of their sport. We seem to really have moved into an era of mental health advocacy and support. I mean, there's been a big change just in general. And I would say very much so driven by Gen Z and millennials and just a change of habits and attitudes. Um, so I'm sure that is really changing the landscape for these student athletes who are now in college, who are pressured to you know, perform or doing their studies, but now they're also being told, oh, you need to maybe become kind of an influencer, maybe do some sponsorship deals. You know, you need to work harder and you need to figure out how to actually conquer the world of making money while in college, which yeah. is absolutely overwhelming. Yes. These student athletes are so much more than athletes. They are students. They're supposed to be students first, but the NCAA says in their rules and regulations that um, their sport is an avocation or a hobby. But anyone who has ever dealt with a division one, two or three athlete knows that sport is first, second and third. And then if they can study, that's fourth. And then their social life is fifth, sixth, seventh. Their family is somewhere further down. They are way further down on their priority list. So it is an overwhelming prospect that now they can also monetize their name, image and likeness. And they're going, some of them are going to do it in just an easy way that might not be best for them in the long term in terms of building their brand. And so it is upsetting that some people are going to take advantage of the overwhelming nature of these student athletes and everything that they have to do already and then say, oh, well, we can help you build your business, but really it's a terrible deal or they're not thinking about the athlete in the long term. I very much have an athlete first mentality where I want to help them as human beings sure, you're an athlete, fantastic. You're on the court, you're, you know, D1, whatever, cool. But like you as a human, what are you looking to do with your business? Are you someone, I use this analogy on another interview that I did and it really, I got really excited about it. It kind of was like off the cuff and I'm like, man, this is super cool. So let's say that an athlete is a physics major or they want to do pre-med. Maybe they want to build a business around that. They want to do maybe a a steam education subscription box. And they're like, you know what? That's what I want to build. I don't want, don't worry about like my athlete brand. I want to build this because in the future, I want to be a biomedical engineer and I want mm -hmm. to have a subscription box that gets minorities and women into this space. Right. So that's, there's something to be said about learning who the athlete is as a human being, mm -hmm. because that's really going to direct what type of business that you might build for them or build with them. If you just look at them as an athlete, it's really not going to tell you a lot because you're going to think their ideal client is the person that attends their games. It's probably energy not drinks. Ideal Come client. on, energy drinks. Exactly. It's just energy drinks. Exactly. And that might not be the best fit for them. They might have something that far exceeds the fans that are in the stand. That might not be their ideal client. And a lot of them have never been told that you have somebody else, perhaps that is interested in something else that you're interested in other than sport, maybe build a business around that. We spent a lot of time at my agency talking with people about how to build their company's brand. And it would have evolved that into just because of my own podcasting and speaking and interviews of how to build your own individual brand. 
And this is something hard for corporate marketers who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s to wrap their head around. And now you're saying that, you know, you have an 18 year old who needs to wrap their head around the fact that as they embark in life, they are brand building from day one. Yes. It's a lot easier for Gen Z and alpha and millennials to understand that concept because they've had social media for a majority of their life. So they understand what a quote unquote personal brand is because they've had an Instagram account since they were 12 or 11 or 10 or however old they were when they got that Instagram account. For me, when I was an athlete, we didn't have social media. So we had the internet, (laughs) but we didn't have social media until I was a bit older. And so social media was kind of a new concept. Building your own personal brand was a little bit of a new concept, but for the the younger millennials and the Gen Z and alpha, these athletes are already building a brand. They just need to understand how to monetize it and how to build it for long-term instead of just the short-term dollars. Oh, I, I can do X, Y, and Z. Well, what is the contract state that you can do with that personal brand? Does it say that you're going to have to be exclusive to that partner for a year after your contract's done? What does it say? What are you actually getting yourself into? And is that great for your long-term brand? Because if it's not great for the long-term brand, maybe forego the quick money now for bigger dollars later. And they I- get told that. I was speaking with a former professional um, football player the other night whose son is in a major college division. You know, he's going, he's going all the way, following his father's (laughs) footsteps. Right. And I made a comment that, you know, I would refer him over to talk with our influencer division. He's like, no, 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 no. I, my son is not an influencer. And he's like, you have to understand a student athlete is different than being an influencer. And when I went in to dive in and, and, and try to, you know, correct a little bit of this, because anyone is an influencer nowadays, but I think the mindset is that to be an influencer, you have to have millions of followers on social media and that you're just like creating content about brands and you're flying away around the country. But these student athletes are actually homegrown, localized influencers who have a tremendous ability to impact a localized community at their schools, right? They do have, depending on who they are and what they're trying to be, an influencer might be a fantastic title for them. But I can see, knowing athletes, I can understand why the father maybe got a little, maybe not offended, but his feathers got bristled a little because Mm -hmm influencers don't always have a positive connotation associated with them. Right. And so if you're a student athlete and you're told, well, you can be an influencer, they almost see it as no, I'm, I'm more than that, you know? So for them, I can see that influencer in certain situations, that might be the perfect name for them, but perhaps using something different that has the exact same meaning, but a different word Mm -hmm. might help them to see that that's a can be a positive uh, association. Brand ambassador or what type of words would you suggest? So with student athletes, I would probably just say personal branding because that's what their NCAA compliance departments and NCAA has probably kind of been talking about generally personal, like what is your personal brand going to look like? You're a personal brander. What type of sponsorships 
do you want to get? Because they understand the sponsorship connotation from professional athletics, right? And Olympians, the sponsorship deals. So they really like the term. Yeah, maybe ambassador might be good, but building a personal brand, that's a phrase that I know athletes like to hear. Mm -hmm. Getting a sponsorship, being a sponsored athlete, that's something that a lot of athletes enjoy being able to talk about once they get that, like, oh, well, I I'm sponsored. I'm sponsored by Nike. I'm sponsored by new balance, whomever it may be. So saying, you know, oh, we'll put you over to our, our sponsored, our sponsorship department or something like that. Maybe he would have been like, yeah, yeah. Sponsors. Cause he knows sponsors. Cause he was right. a pro athlete. So he understands that, but yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Like I was talking about previously, athletes speak their own language. Yeah. It's this, it can be the same language, but they use different words and they have a different way of going about it. So the fact that he got his feathers bristled is just, I mean, eye roll. It's not surprising. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's just as far as our agency, we have a brand division and we have a talent division. So it was like, yeah, that. but no. Yeah. And I think the word influencer has a lot of connotations that, as you said, are kind of eyebrow raising for some or laughable for many because they're thinking about girls in little bikinis who are lounging yeah. around doing diet, you know, tea and or the, the hair gummies. The TikTok videos where they where they do the lip syncing of the influencers and like, oh my God, thank you. Yes, my necklace, it's Vivian Westwood. And they have like this whole lip sync thing on TikTok and reels about influencers making fun of them. And it's it's a shame because having influence used to mean that you were someone that people looked up to and respected because you had influence, you had the ability to persuade people of X, Y, and Z. And now you don't see people using the definition of the word influence correctly, right? You almost see it like people are trying to trick you into doing something and that's an influencer. And that's just not the case. I mean, in some situations, yes, there are people that are less than scrupulous who are trying to get you to do stuff that you don't want to do in a kind of a sneaky way. But having influence means that you have the ability to get a group of people, no matter if it's a micro group or a macro group, to do something or buy something that you endorse. So maybe saying something like, you're, you're an endorser of this brand. Maybe that is something instead of an influencer or an ambassador, maybe an endorser might be a phrase that these athletes would like, but it's just, it is fascinating to see how things have evolved. Cause at first so many people wanted to be influencers. I want to get my social media account up. I want to be an influencer. I want to get free stuff. I want to get paid monthly to post. Now people are like, Oh my God, my necklace is Vivian Westwood. And they're saying that it's like a terrible situation to be in if you're an influencer. So it really is, what is the trend of the day? And these athletes don't necessarily want to be part of trends. They, they want something that's going to kind of transcend. If you talk to a lot of athletes, they want to have a brand that is sustainable, sustainable, sustainable. provides a legacy for them and their family. They want to be the Kobe's of the world. They want to be the Serena Williams's of the world who have these brands and these legacies that are very strong, but they also don't recognize that some of these athletes were doing the small micro deals too. They were influencers before the word was around, before social media was around. They were saying anything you can do, I can do better for Gatorade. You know, I mean, those types of commercials 
those were the first influencers. We just didn't call them that. No, and we've always had hometown heroes at local restaurants with pictures on the walls and appearances and ribbon cutting ceremonies. Yes. All of those types of things have gone back to the dawn of time um, <laughs> when we've been brands looking for ways to work with athletes and other individuals. <laughs> it's dawn of time. Going back to, I'm yes. sure, the early days of the Olympics and Grecian times. I'm sure someone was there holding the localized Grecian beer, you know, <laughs> but it is, it's kind of a dawn of time. What are some of the mistakes that you see students make time and time again that they really need to be wary of? Yes. So not recognizing, sometimes they don't recognize what deals they're getting into and what the long-term consequences are. So they think that they are signing a deal that's three months. And sure, the term of the contract, their responsibility for posting is three months. But there might be something within that contract that says, number one, you can't work with another brand for X amount of months after the term ends, which could be a non-compete of some sort. Some states allow it, some states don't allow it. And they might say something like, you, you have to post on your social platforms, but it doesn't say how many posts, what platforms do you have to create new platforms? What do those posts entail? Does the athlete provide the content? Does the brand provide the content? So there is so there are so many situations where these athletes think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get X amount of dollars per month. And all I have to do is post on social media. That is amazing. It could be amazing, or it could be a headache that stays with you for a year and a half of your eligibility in NCAA. So it could be positive, it could be negative. And so for me, I want them to understand what are you getting into and what is the long-term consequence of that? And what is your responsibility? What's the brand's responsibility? How are you gonna get paid? A lot of times they'll say, oh, well, we'll pay you. Well, is that gonna be cash, direct deposit? Is it net 90 days? Is it within 15 days? Do you have to invoice the brand? But there are so many situations. I was talking with an esports influencer. She calls herself a caster, right? Or a host. And I was going over these things. Well, what are they going to pay you? What is your responsibility? When does this end? When does that end? Right. And even pro athletes, sometimes I said, well, are you going to get a bonus for if your post hits this many likes or if it hits this many views, you're going to get a bonus. What do you mean? Okay. Well, this is what I mean, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to explain this to them in a way that no one's taking the time to explain. And the brands almost think, well, this is a dumb athlete. We can just put whatever we want in there. And then when they question it, if they question it, we'll just tell them, well, you signed the contract. And for me, you're trying to quote unquote, better these student athletes lives by finally being able to pay money to them for their name, image, and likeness. And then you're trying to trap them in crap deals. I mean, come on, you know, pick on someone your own size. If you want to do that, then you can come to me and you can have a conversation about their contract with me. I am your size. Like, let's get it on. Right. So for me, that's sometimes really frustrating. And the athlete's this is new for them. So they've never been able to do this before. So they don't know who to trust, what they can and can't do. Even some of the athletic departments and NCAA compliance departments don't know what they're allowed to do even because the NCAA and the state legislatures haven't provided enough guidance in certain situations. 
to allow them to know what can I do? And that's, that's upsetting to me because there's so much you can do. Just do it correctly. Get the right advice from the right people. I think that, you know, your point, and I know that you've seen some really bad deals, but <laughs> from the opposite side of working with a lot of brands, I don't think brands maliciously are like down with the student athlete, down with the influencer. The problem is there's not a lot of education in influencer marketing and ambassadorship in general. And so brands have really unrealistic expectations because they haven't had someone set what those expectations actually should be. So you have someone behind their desk and they're kind of making things up on the fly and they don't necessarily think that they have tools that they can go and find and look for and understand like what is realistic. And I don't think the brands typically that I've encountered at least want to be the mega asshole. They're like, I'm coming for you. I'm trapping you. You are mine for the next three years. Screw you. I don't think that's the mindset, but I do agree that both sides have a tremendous amount of education that needs to happen for them so that we can level it out and make it fair for everyone. I definitely agree that people don't understand what is best for both parties in certain situations, right? And the realistic wording that you used is fabulous because these, at the end of the day, are athletes who are going to school. This is sometimes the first time they've ever been away from their family. This is a completely different team, a completely different dynamic, a completely different coaching scheme than they've ever dealt with previously, right? So they're getting used to all of that on top of classes, which are much more difficult in most instances than the high schools they're coming from. And now they're told you can build a business. And they say, what? (laughs) Great. But how am I supposed to also juggle this? I don't know what's realistic. And so having these brands recognize that at the end of the day, these are younger people who understand the concept of personal branding, but maybe have never in a big way built a brand or a business themselves. And they are not the best at this particular point in time at time management organization, recognizing that and maybe starting off deals minimally and saying, Hey, we're interested in having you create one video for us. That is 30 seconds that is due on this date, just making it much more of kind of a syllabus, right? Students understand syllabi. So maybe having it be a little more syllabus driven on, you know, the your this is due on August 29th at 10 a.m. And this is what we want you to do. Check in with us if you're unclear. We'll have office hours at XYZ. That might be a fabulous way for the brands to not have unrealistic expectations, but to be able to engage the student athletes and then to get a healthy dialogue back and forth with these quote unquote office hours. That's something that I have been talking with universities about having me be someone that has office hours with these student athletes and these universities that say, Hey, what's the issue? What's the problem? What do we need to work on right now? And having it be someone who understands both sides, the brand side, the Mm -hmm. university side and the student athlete side, and trying to have that bridge built to where both sides understand what the expectations of the other are and make it, like you said, realistic for both parties. Yeah, I love the fact that you're talking about a syllabus because people do forget that these are kids. Like their brains are not fully developed until what, 25 is what the age is. They're saying now that your brain is actually developed. 
we have a massive internship program at Hollywood Branded, my agency, and they're kids. And you sit there and you become a parent to them. And, you know, you're not actually a parent, but you're like trying to give them life skills very quickly. And they're not that far out of high school. They've just crossed over. They're still in the world where everything's an unknown. There is no guidelines. They don't understand all these intricities and they're not so good always on deadlines. That's a big thing or on asking questions or on communicating. And they don't want to pick up the phone and ask because their world doesn't pick up the phone. They text. And so it's, it's really as a brand marketer learning and thinking about the fact that you, if you are a parent, you're dealing basically with your child who happens to be super talented now and lots of pressures being thrust upon them. You know, they're out in the world, they're potentially drinking for the first time, they're exposing to more adult relationships for the first time. All those things that we naturally, as people who went through college and we partied it up, maybe they're not partying up as much, or maybe they're partying up more, but now this extra layer is intense. Mm, It is, it's very intense for them. And, you know, they understand the concept of a coach. So that's Mm -hmm. something that they don't necessarily want someone telling them what to do in their own personal lives, but they understand the concept of a coach, right? So if you are their personal branding coach or you're their business coach or their business advisor, they understand like teaching assistants, professors, and they understand coaches, right? So if you come at it in that way, like, Hey, I'm interested in helping you. If you want me to help you, I'm interested in coaching you up on this. If you want to do X, Y, and Z, I'm more than happy to do that. And that's how with my consulting, my business consulting, that's how I talk to athletes, both pro and collegiate athletes. I'm like, Hey, I was an athlete. I understand entrepreneurship. I understand a lot of different aspects of building a business. And I understand what you're going through being a student athlete, or I understand what you're going through being a pro athlete. because I've had a lot of them in my life. I want to coach you up on how to do this. What questions do you have? Here are my office hours. Here's when you can call me, text me. Let's build it together. What questions do you have? There's no stupid questions. There's no stupid answers. There's no nothing. I'm not someone that's going to judge you. I don't give a rat's ass what you are doing on the field. I don't care. I'm not someone that's going to judge you for that. If you're an athlete, that's maybe second string. I do not care. Let's build a brand. You have something that's valuable that I can help you build. So that's something that they understand that coaching mentality, coaching someone up. That's actually a good thing, right? (laughs) So if you're talking to them about, I'm going to coach you up on how to build your business. That means that you're going to level them up, make them better than what they already are. Most athletes who are ambitious are down for that. Well, I think this is the perfect time for our (laughs) listeners who are like, I want to reach out to Alex. How do they find you? <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for that. So they can find me on my website, yourpotentialforeverything.com. You can book consulting calls with me. You can see my podcast there. I also have social media that you can find on yourpotentialforeverything.com. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. DM me, reach out to me. I am someone that likes to text and DM more than I like to pick up a phone. I am of that generation. So <laughs> don't feel scared or self-conscious about DMing me. And yeah, if you want to book a consult with me, I do 45 minute business consults where we can talk about building your brand or whatever you might need help with. And uh, I'm more than happy to talk with these athletes and people who are building brands in the world of sport in general as well, not just athletes. 
That's awesome. And so what are some, I would say we're wrapping this up, but you and I could talk for quite a long time on this, I'm sure. <laughs> what are some last parting words of advice for those who want to build their brand, who have a sports you know, backbone, who are in college, out of college? What would your parting words be? My parting words would be figure out who your ideal client customer is. It might not be the person that comes to your games and supports you. It might not be the people that are liking your photos on Instagram. You might have a different business that you could build. Going back to the athlete who has a science background, maybe it's a science subscription box and that's what you want to create. Don't just think of yourself as an athlete. You're more than just an athlete. So think about what your passions are. Ask other people what you're good at besides sport and see if there's some way you can build a business toward that particular passion. And, you know, athletes have an advantage. They're driven. They know how to focus on who they are and their sport. And all it is, is taking one step out of the box and realizing that what you've actually spent your youth building, you're still in your youth, is your brand. And now is the time that you can actually capitalize on it. And CAA is giving you thumbs up. And so the world <laughs> truly is your oyster to start off as an entrepreneur today. Agreed, yes. <laughs> but Alex, thank you so much for tuning in today. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. 